0: Hi, I'm Nicole Jacobson, and I am a writer, teacher, and a voracious reader.
1: Hello, I'm Lexi K. Nielsen, and I am the illustrator of
2: Jane Was Here. And thanks to Nicole Jacobson, Lexi K. Nielsen, and their friend Devin Dayton, we are taking an adventure with one of my favorite authors, Jane Austen. Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I want to begin with a terrific quotation. If adventures will not befall a young lady in her own village, she must seek them abroad. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by two remarkable young ladies who, along with a friend of theirs, sought adventures abroad, as recommended by Jane Austen. I have with me one of the authors and the illustrator of the terrific book, Jane Was Here. And I am delighted to welcome Nicole Jacobson and Lexi K. Nelson to the podcast. Welcome and thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you. We're so glad to be here.
2: All right, well, I don't often have two people at the same time, so I'm going to sort of take turns asking different questions, and you guys can chime in anything you want, but again, it's just so great to have you here, and we'll learn more about your journey, journeys we can take through Jane Austen's life, and journeys that she and her characters take, so it's a whole discussion of journeys, and I'm really excited about that. So, Nicole, I am going to jump in and start with you. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the places that Jane lived that were particularly important to her? And some of the ones I'm aware of are Steventon and Bath and Chawton and Winchester. So fill us in a little bit about Jane and some of the places that she lived.
0: Yes, Jane Austen was born in Steventon, um, in Hampshire, in the southeast of England, and she grew up there. Her father was, uh, he was the rector of the, so they had a little rectory there, so he was the the minister, the clergyman for the area. And she um, stayed there until she was about um, eight years old when she moved to Oxford to live with her sister and begin their formal education. So that's something I found interesting is that they would leave home to go find an education, especially when living in a small town where that wasn't so available. So she lived in Oxford and then Reading um, and Southampton for her education. And um, later on in life, she moved to Bath when she was about 26 um, and she stayed with her family. So her parents, her dad moved them all to Bath after he retired from the rectory. And she um, Shortly thereafter, he passed away, and she moved to Southampton and then finally to Chawton, where she spent a good portion of her life. And that's where she wrote most of her um, m- novels, and most of her most beloved novels were written in Chawton Cottage. And she uh, moved to Winchester just shortly before she passed away, and that's where she um, passed away and where she's buried.
2: Now, Lexi, what I'm intrigued by is as you would approach the places that you guys visited as an illustrator. How did you do research to create the illustrations for the book? So as you go to these locations as an illustrator, what is that like? And how do you research for that component of creating a book?
1: Yeah, that is a good question. And that was the question that I was wondering (laughs) when when we went on the trip. Um, And I thought, when we went out that I would be drawing, you know, like everywhere that we went and, but really what it was is, um, a lot of observations and a lot of taking pictures because we were kind of moving through, um, at a fast pace. We went to a lot of places, all the places in our book we went to, um, within two weeks. And so I really relied on reference pictures. Um, so researching for those illustrations, I think, um, I would take notes in my sketchbook or make quick sketches. And I really wanted to capture the mood that I might forget about later on if I was just looking at the picture. So having those notes or color studies or sketches, um, of like little things, like the cat that we saw walking around um, Chawton House, or you know things that like I might not um, remember, but I thought were very special. Those were things that I made sure that I um, kept note of, so that I could include them in the illustrations. And then when I illustrated later, um, I was I was looking at pictures and looking at my notes.
2: That's wonderful, and I love how you talk about the emotion. And the things that made the places special because as I read the book and sort of lose myself in it, that's what really helps. I mean, the words are wonderful, but they are very evocative and the illustrations are also evocative of a lot of feelings and you can just really imagine yourself there. So I'm glad you mentioned just a little detail like a cat. That really does just pull you right in because you feel like you're there. So... Thank you. And I, I wondered how that works. I don't know how artists work. So that's really helpful. So that's yeah. great. That's great. Okay. So Nicole, so we've heard a little bit about these locations and about capturing some of them for your book. But I'd also like to talk a little bit about how some of these locations do show up in the novels and in the way Jane uses some of her locations and some of the scenes around her. She very much writes from her life. So how do some of these locations show up in her novels?
0: So one of the main locations that she lived that shows up in the novels is Bath. And it's interesting because a lot of the smaller kind of towns um, in her novels are Are fictional, but Bath is very real and she lived there and she wrote about in her letters and in writings that we have from her personal life that she really did not like Bath. Um, But her characters have different experiences there and sometimes it's like this very emotional place where a transformation is happening. For example, in Northanger Abbey, Catherine Moreland, it's her first time um, leaving home and she leaves this rectory or small house in the Um, more in the country with a huge family. And that's where that quote that you um, started off the podcast with comes from. If adventures will not befall a young lady in her own village, she must seek them abroad. And abroad she goes, which is Bath, apparently. Um, And so (laughs) she she writes very vividly about all that Catherine was taking in and seeing in Bath. And I think to Jane, it was a really loud and noisy and kind of just a not – a not a relaxing place maybe especially as a writer to get kind of some peace to to sit down and write which i understand um and her characters though use it as a a place of transformation and then it's also this kind of place of nostalgia it's where um and elliot and persuasion reunites with captain wentworth and people are constantly running into each other it's a perfect place to create drama through social situations so um that's something very interesting is that even though jane herself did not love living in bath it must have totally impacted her um in a way that she that came out in her writing that came out in the novels that she she wrote that it was such a main location
2: I think that's really interesting and I do really love what you said about both it being a place of transformation, and that's really so true, but also that it's such a great sort of place to have people run into each other or the social situations can really unfold there so naturally. Um, So I love how she uses a gathering place and we know, you know, historically Bath was a gathering place and how she really makes the most of it. So thank you. That's a great way to think about it. And it is, I've, you know, read in several places that, including her own words, that she did not care for Bath, but it certainly right. served her well as a writer, even if she didn't, you know, maybe like it so much herself. So Lexi, what would you say um, are some of the surprises maybe that you encountered from visiting the locations? Did anything sort of surprise you or jump out at you that maybe you weren't expecting?
1: Oh, what a good question. I think I was consistently throughout the whole two weeks, uh, surprised by how much it exceeded all my expectations. <laughs> just, um, you know, Jane Austen kind of aside, but just these places were so lush and so beautiful that I was really surprised at like how storybookish um, everywhere was. And I could see how she would have been, um, inspired. Um, but, that being said as charming as it all was i think that learning more about the regency period or learning more about jane austen and kind of as fanciful as that as the regency period seems um it also was hard like i think um i was surprised kind of at um realities that jane faced um or that people around her faced um and so I'm I'm trying to think like specifically in, in which places we learned about that. But I think that I, throughout, throughout our trip and throughout the time that I've learned about Jane Austen, I've just kind of been intrigued by this duality of um, how beautiful and how fanciful and frivolous this life was, but also how real it was at the same time. And I think um, I was surprised by how much I uh, could relate to Jane, even though she lived 200 years ago. Um, just she was writing about real people, and we're real people exploring those real places um, and having somewhat similar experiences. So that was something that I wasn't expecting on the trip, um, but that that did happen during our research.
2: That is a great point. And I'd like to um, ex- expand on that a little bit and ask both of you, The same question, which is How did you decide to write this book in this way? So, to actually visit the spots and to walk where she walked, as you just said, and be where she was. How did you decide and then plan and go about that? And I'd like both of your perspectives, if we could. So, Nicole, Mm -hmm. we're going to start with you. what brought it to you, and how did you decide to do that?
0: A fateful email from Lexi. I have never met Lexi, but we went to the same university, Brigham Young University in Utah. And she can explain more about this, but um, she had this amazing idea to create a Jane Austen travel guide that was illustrated and they were looking for somebody to to write it and I studied English and it seemed like I could be a good fit and it I um, met up with them and we kind of dove into the planning and there are lots of iterations along the way um, but we got a grant to we got grant money from the university to go and do this trip um, and research it and um, with the promise that we would create this travel guide. So I um, am, feel so lucky that like Lexi found me and that <laughs> I was able to join them and we had the most wonderful time. Um, there was a lot of work that goes into planning a vacation <laughs> and a lot more work that goes into planning a research trip. So it was yeah, amazing it to... Out. <laughs> yeah so it was a it was really fun kind of research I I mean I got to read all of Jane's novels i had only read two before um and then I got to watch all of the film adaptations and and kind of lose myself in her world for a summer before even actually going to her world and getting to visit all the places that we visited together so lots of just So much fun um, and also... So much
2: work too. (laughs) Yes, yes. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, Lexi, you chime in now and tell us about Mm -hmm. how also how it got started. And then I do want to mention that Devin is not here with us, but Lexi, maybe you could talk a little bit about how Devin's role as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Devin um, was especially a huge part of the beginning of this because Devin and I were actually roommates at the time. Um it was our senior year of university. Um, and when we had watched, so like we loved pride and prejudice, we would watch it like every Sunday. Like it was like our, we just loved it. We loved the romance. We loved the, you know, we loved everything just diving into that world. Um, and my senior year I had, um, this grant opportunity came up where it was like, okay, come up with a project and, um, propose it. And like you, you could get money and so, of course, I'm like, well, what what would I what would I do if I if I got money? Like, what kind of a project? What is my dream project for as an illustrator? I studied illustration at BYU, um, and I was like, well i i want to I want to go to England, and I want to like make a travel. I want to illustrate a travel guide about all the places that Jane Austen went. Like, I want to learn about Jane Austen, um, and so and I was really intrigued with. Um, this idea of making a travel guide that you can take with you, but you can also enjoy it from the couch because one of my favorite ways to illustrate or something that was very inspiring to me was going to new places with new perspectives and then like sketching, you know, just sitting in a park and sketching or sketching at restaurants or sketching on a street. Because when you're somewhere new, you're, I, I experienced that I was much more, um, Receptive to sights and sounds and smells and feelings um, than if I've been in a place for a long time and I'm just kind of like it's same old, same old. Um, so I, I thought it would be a really interesting travel guide idea to make something that was very personal but also very useful at the same time um, that could be enjoyed, you know, at home or abroad. Um, and so that's kind of how it got started. And of course, we needed um, a writer, Devin, um, is our marketer. So she was studying advertising. I was studying illustration Nicole was, um, an English major. So Devin, as her part of the project was, she was gonna, um, help us do the marketing and help us, um, make sure that we made this something that people would want, um, and help get the word out. And so she was very invaluable, um, in that, in that part of the grant to show like, Hey, we've thought about this, this is our plan and it's going to be successful. We're going to get this published. So, um, that was, that was kind of like the beginnings of it. And I, I emailed, um, the English, the head of the English department at BYU. And I was like, this is what we're doing. This we're looking for a writer. Do you have any suggestions? And, um, we got emailed back, I think three names and Nicole was one of the names and, it was the perfect fit. And we, we did, um, we had some meetings and we were like, yeah, let's, we're going to do this. So that was the beginnings of our trip. Um, and then as Nicole said, it was a summer of finally reading all of the Jane Austen novels, um, and expanding my world beyond Pride and Prejudice to,
2: um, all of (laughs) the, all of the novels,
1: very necessary. And I'm so grateful for that because I was so in Pride and Prejudice land that I was just like, this is Jane Austen. And getting the experience to research like not only read but like really research and recognize like we're gonna go here Mm -hmm. and then we went there um and having that expansive experience with Jane Austen was just so cool that it was like I want to do this this will be fun and it turned into something that was so much more meaningful and so much more um inspiring than I than I even than we even thought from the beginning so
2: That's great. And that reminds me of some of the things um, when I speak with other historians, particularly those who have more opportunities than I. So all of us are in the U.S. and travel to England right now is a little more difficult with COVID and everything. Uh But when people are able to be there and they say, okay, when you can be in a location, you're no longer separated by time and space. You're now only separated by time. So you've eliminated one oh, level I of separation. That. And yeah, I, that's I, a really good point. Right. So I've thought about that in terms of historic characters. Like if I'm studying Henry VIII and I'm at Hampton Court Palace or I'm at the Tower of London, mm-hmm right? But uh, mm-hmm. we, it certainly works here too, which I think is so wonderful that you can imagine her when you're at Chauton. you can think, okay, now there's yes. time that we're not sharing, but we're sharing the space. I'm sort of breathing that air that she breathes, you know, in yes. a way. Um, and I would think that would be really exciting for you. But also let's talk just a little bit about, and you mentioned, I love this, that it can, this can be a really great resource. On the trip or on the couch, you know, so it works both ways. But let's talk for just a minute about people who grab this wonderful book. Jane was here, and we're going to talk about, you know, there are all kinds of places you can get it, and we'll talk about that. But let's say you've got it, or or a listener has decided to go and. If you were, and I know you lay out a couple of different trips, but I'd like to hear from both of you, if you were only able, if you didn't have two weeks, if you're only able to go to a couple of places, what do you think might be some great options, just just a couple of spots to get a sense of the real Jane Austen and the mm. real person behind the novels. Then I'll just let you know, I'm going to ask in a minute where to go to get the real sense of the novels because I'm not sure it's always the same. Mm-hmm. So let's think <laughs> about Jane for a minute. If you really wanted to feel the real Jane Austen, Where are a couple of places that you really think you could lean into Jane?
0: My first thought is Bath um, for many reasons, but I think the real place is Chawton. Um, Chawton has um, Jane Austen's House Museum, and it is a place where um, they, like, after, let's see, I think it was about the 1940s or 50s that it was um, taken over and recreated into a museum so that people could come and visit and it was basically set up in the, t- the kind of furniture and they use as much as possible that they have from her life and have gathered from different auctions and things um, to put back in the house. And so you really feel like, yes, you're in that same space and there's still that time um, separation. But I think that in a way you can almost travel Mm -hmm. back in time there. Um, They even have like historical costumes you can put on um, so that you can feel like you're back in Jane's time. And they work. Yes, (laughs) totally. Um, And that was the place I felt like most connected to her because you could see her writing desk and you could see, um, like portraits of her family, and you could see um, the really like a great attention to detail that the curators have done there to make it really feel like you are learning a lot about her life, and also stepping a little bit into her shoes. And Chauton Village, um, where she lived, um, the main big house in Chauton Village is Chauton House, and that is where her brother lived, and that's actually how they had the um, little cottage in Chauton. So Jane lived in cottage in Chatton with her sister and her mother, but her brother lives just down the road. And that's also a beautifully maintained house that you can visit with the church that they would have gone to. And the village is still so small that it, it really does feel like stepping into the past in a way.
1: Well, and, and when you go visit the Jane Austen's house museum, like you, you take the steps that she would have taken to go visit her brother, right? Like you, you don't drive to the house. You walk down the street to the house and you're passing sheep and you're passing horses. And it's like, um, it's really cool. Like that, that little village is really, um, pretty, I think pretty close to how it was when she was there. If not, you know, you you imagine some parts, but, um, it really, it really was cool not only to have Jane Austen's house in Chawton, but have that walk to her brother's house and kind of imagine maybe how it felt that her brother had this big luxurious house and she was, you know, in this little cottage with her, her mom and her sister.
0: Which to, to make another connection, it feels a lot like Sense and Sensibility. And yeah. people have have done research on this and, and claimed that she was very influenced by her own life in writing Sense and Sensibility. Mm-hmm. But that the the sisters are, you know, pushed out of their family home by the brother. And then they're, you know, resigned to a, a smaller cottage. And I think that mm-hmm. she she writes about all those family tensions really well.
2: Yeah. Right. That's excellent. Okay. So let's use that idea. So thank you. First, that's great. And and that sounds really wonderful. But let's use that idea and say, okay, in addition maybe to Chawton, if you wanted to go somewhere that really represented one of the novels or a couple of the novels, you know, if you really want to commune with the novels, where do you think would be a couple of great places to go to really experience the novels?
0: So there's two oh sorry. There are um, two kind of ways to look at that. There's the real places that she talks about in the novels. And then there's a the way that so many of us have experienced the novels in like visual form through the adaptations on um, film and, and miniseries. And um, one of the places that feels so much like how we imagine Pemberley is Lime Park, um, which is a National Trust property now. And it's where they filmed the 1995 um, version of Pride and Prejudice, and that was Pemberley. And so you can go and tour around there and feel like you're stepping into Darcy's world, just like how Lizzie was stepping into Darcy's world when she visited Pemberley, which I think is such a fun thing. Um, you can see kind of the path that she followed in the carriage that they they show in the film and um walk in the hills there and then see the beautiful like view that she would have come across and be almost as stunned as she was without the kind of you know romantic romantic tension that she's feeling so that's one place i would i would recommend for fans of pride and prejudice
1: something that i would say too is um england especially like the south of england where jane mostly spent her time it's not. It's not a huge place. Like you can get across the country, in a four you know four hours in the car, and so I I think that it could be really valuable if you want to get. Um, say you only have a week or um you know five days. Um, get I w- I would recommend getting a sense for the sea that Jane Austen would have visited, um, the big house a big house, uh, Chawton, um, and then like hiking around the mountains um in like the peak district. And I think that if you like hit one of those, you kind of get an expansive, like all all encompassing um aura of kind of like the passion that Jane wrote about. And that was that was my experience at least. Like I really loved um the seaside and getting to know Jane through the seaside, even though maybe she didn't spend a ton of time there. I I think it's definitely very inspiring and um, you know, she has characters very in- inspired by the seaside. And so Uh, I really like the idea of making sure you include, um, whether it's um, the key that we have in our book, um, Heartland Key, or Lyme Regis, but getting that sea air and just kind of like that, that rush of being at the edge of the world, you know, where um, she, Jane Austen kind of, you know, she talks about like feeling constricted in this society, but the sea is almost like this like breath of fresh air um, on the outskirts of it.
2: Well, I'm really excited that you mentioned that because I did want to ask about this. One of the things, and I have a previous podcast about Jane and sea bathing and um, some of the scandals (laughs) that were associated with sea bathing during the Regency time period. I mean, there were really some scandalous things going on. And you do see that there is you know, when you hear Lydia and Mrs. Bennett talk about wanting to go to Brighton, for example, and, <laughs> mm. you know, it's sort of a woo-hoo kind of thing. <laughs> and and Lyme Regis as well. And, you know, so it seems to be a, a wild place in a way, the, the seaside. So do you still get that sense when you go there? Um, and do you agree that, you know, she had a sense of, release or of the restrictions of society maybe being a little looser um, (laughs) as well as you can imagine corsets being a little looser somehow (laughs) at the seaside.
0: I mean, one thing I think about in Lyme Regis, I mean, there's the, when Anne Elliot is walking along the cob with the Musgrave sisters and (laughs) one falls off and breaks, hurts something. I can't remember exactly the injury. Concussion.
1: Ankle, yeah.
0: <laughs> but I feel like that that leads to kind of, in a sense, it's like a loss of innocence. It's like, oh, I f- there's a man here, and now she's staying in the home with the man, and just this question. Um, so I think that she definitely associates the
1: two.
2: Why do you think? And I'd like to hear from both of you on this. Why do you think that an author who lived that long ago and in another country? still continues to be so popular and really speak to us. Today, we have this very technological, fast-moving world that's so different, and yet her works still resonate so strongly. So what do you think it is about Jane Austen and her works that still resonate so strongly in our time?
0: I think that's been an unexpected kind of joy of this project is being able to connect with so many people around the world who share this love of Jane Austen, um, which we mainly do on Instagram. Um, and I found just that people love her for so many different reasons. I think there's a lot of people who love the kind of escapist romance element of her books. And there's so many people who love the deeper themes um, and, her craft of writing. I think what drew me first to Jane Austen when I was a teenager and read Pride and Prejudice for the first time was just how beautiful her sentences were. And I'm still extremely (laughs) envious um, as a writer, just that she could craft uh, such um, like witty, like biting like statements in Mm -hmm. in so few words, um, but also sometimes lots of words. Um, Anyway, I, I find that she has just a genius about her that transcends time.
1: <laughs> yeah. I I also think that um, something that I really like about Jane Austen is that she reminds me that throughout history, people have always been funny. Like they've always been weird. <laughs> they've always been um, stupid. They've always been clever. They've always been, they've always been these multifaceted beings. And sometimes I think about history and I'm like, they didn't smile and they were straight faced (laughs) and they just kind of walked around in their like really clear cut societies. And I think that Jane Austen like writes with such a real perspective and with such real and raw observation, but also like with this beautiful craft that she makes it pretty to read. But like, we see that they're real people. And, and because of that, You know, I I think like the movie Clueless comes to mind because it's one of my favorite movies and it's an adaptation of Emma. And it's about 90s high schoolers in L.A., um, but like they're feeling the same emotions and dealing with like the same human problems that like 200 years previous um, Emma and and her and her pals uh, were dealing with in the Regency in the Regency period. So I just think that there's like something about human nature and being able to connect with history that way and people in history that makes me personally feel like I'm connecting more to myself and just like humanity in general that I, I think is very fun because it surprises me about history and um, characters that really lived in history.
2: That is wonderful. I really appreciate what both of you have to say about that. And in both cases, you know, the shared humanity that brings us all together. I think that is wonderful. So thank you. Thank you. Now let me ask you this. Are the two of you or the three of you with Devin as well planning any more projects together? Will there be other authors or historic figures that you explore?
0: You're definitely (laughs) thinking about it. Um, and I mean, I have hopes. We we actually all speak French, um, and so it would be so fun to do something in in France or Paris. Um, but we've also looked at other um, time periods of British literature. I actually was an intern at the Wordsworth Trust in in the Lake District in England, so I know a lot about the Romantic period and did a lot of research there. So we've we've talked about it for sure. Nothing solid in the works
1: yet. (laughs) We've done some thorough dreaming.
2: Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Well, that's wonderful. So I was going to say, I really hope that's the case. So that is really good to hear, even if it's early stages, as long as, you know, there's something in the works. So how can my listeners find you. You mentioned Instagram, so tell us where all we can find you, and keep up to date on future plans, whether it's Paris or the Lake District. Either of those <laughs> sound fantastic. So tell us how we can find out more.
0: Okay, so our Instagram is Jane Austen was here. Our we have a Facebook page as well, and um, we're we're on TikTok. If you want to find that, um, so. Those are the main places that you can find what we're up to now. Um, And we also, you can buy our book anywhere books are sold. Pretty easy to find online. So Jane was here, an illustrated guide to Jane Austen's England.
2: And I will just say, in case they don't want to... Plug wildly their book that I am in love with this book. <laughs> it was given to me as a gift by my daughter, which was wonderful. And then I've been giving it to all my friends because it's just so delightful and it is such a wonderful place to lose yourself. So I cannot recommend it highly enough. As you know, all this month, since January is not necessarily one of my favorite months. You know, Christmas is over and it's still dark at four o'clock or whatever. But I've been I've been doing my favorite things. And so I knew I wanted to have my favorite Jane Austen and my favorite book right now about Jane Austen. So I am thrilled and I can't thank Nicole and Lexi enough and also thank Devin, even though she wasn't able to join us for all of her work. So I thank the three of you and I particularly thank Nicole and Lexi for joining me. It has been such a treat to learn more about the experience, to learn more about Jane and the places you visited and creating the book and to learn that there may be more to come. So I'm so excited. So thank you both so much for being here. Thank you to Nicole and Lexi for helping me wrap up my month of favorite things with their book along with Devin Dayton. Jane Was Here. And next month, we'll be looking at the Royals, Rebels, and Romantics Family and Friends. So be sure to join us for that. Thank you for listening, and let's keep shaking up history together.